Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the show. Great to have you along. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Nigel Gracie. Nigel is from Harrison Assessments International, an amazing psychometric tool, platform, whatever you want to call it. And we're here today to talk about something slightly different. It's around how to partner as a consultant or as another HR-related business, how to partner with Harrison Assessments International. So we're going to get into that. But firstly, Nigel, thank you very much for joining me today. Delighted to be here. Thanks, Ben. And it's a rare opportunity for me to interview someone who also likes cricket because most of the world thinks it's a strange, strange thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to talk too much about it because, yeah, England's performance in the Cricket World Cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for listeners who don't know anything about cricket, the thing I like about cricket is that it can go for five days. And at the end of that, someone still may not have won. I think it's just a wonderful concept. So, yeah, let's talk about Harrison Assessment. So we're going to talk about how people can partner with it and potentially use it as part of their consulting business or revenue generation or whatever it may be. But we'll take a step back. And actually, can you tell us what are Harrison Assessments? What's it all about? Yeah. So, yeah, we're a global psychometric test publisher based out in Hong Kong and much bigger in the Far East and the US than we are in Europe. I'm responsible for the whole of Europe and Africa. And essentially, our business model is primarily channel. So globally, we've got about a 1,000 channel partners. I'm responsible and look after and support about 200 of them, say, in, in Europe and Africa, which is my region. And we work with them. It may be in terms of they may offer coaching or training or recruitment services or people development. But in all areas, we work with our partners to help them give their clients the best experience. And like I said, so 95% of our business is done through that kind of business model. Got it. All right. So what are those types of partners? So someone listening to this thinking, I wonder if that's me. It might be a consulting firm. It might be a solo consultant or it might be a larger business. Yeah, it's quite interesting for me because it gives me a real wide range of partners that I work with from the one-person band, Mm -hmm. particularly coaching. We are business partners with the International Coaching Federation. So, yeah, in some cases, it's one-person band up to much larger management consultancies or training companies. Those are the sorts of partners that tend to work with. All right, cool. Okay, so what does Harrison Assessments actually do? What's the product suite look like? It's primarily, so our main assessment, the one that we're both best known for, is a behavioural-based assessment. And if you don't mind, I'll kind of do the very quick positive yeah. history of the assessment world. Broadly speaking, now I'm not a psychologist, but mm-hmm. I do know lots of psychologists. So there may be some disagreement, but broadly speaking, there's four types of psychometric assessment. There's personality-based tools, there's behavioural-based tools, there's cognitive process, and there's cognitive competence. So personality is that deep core, this is who you are, this is why you do the things that you do. That's a personality assessment. I'm sure your listeners can probably think of one or two off the top of their heads. So personality is to do with why you do stuff. Behavior is to do with how you do stuff. Cognitive process is to do with how you think or how quickly you think. And cognitive competence is about how much or how little you know on something. 
So we've all done cognitive competence assessments because that's how education, our education systems work. If you've got any sort of certificate, you know, I've got a UK education, so I've got A-levels, I've got degrees, I've got GCSEs. I've got a certificate that says I'm competent in whatever it is to this level. GCSE, grade C French, for example. That's a competent. Most people, when they think assessments, tend to think behavioural or personality. So we do a behavioural assessment. We measure 175 different behavioural traits, which is pretty unique in the market. (laughs) Yeah. And so how is it used in the workplace? So it's kind of used, and this is one of the key principles that underlines the Harrison approach, is define what good looks like. If I'm going to measure your behavioural preferences, because that's what we're measuring, as I say, 175 behavioural preferences, how much or how little you like doing different behaviours. If I'm going to measure you against something, whether it's for recruitment or whether it's for training or development, I need to be really confident what I'm measuring you against is what good looks like. So we've got a library of those of what good looks like. We've also got a customizable process to define what good looks like. But that's the critical thing because, you know, I've worked in the assessment industry for the best part of 20 years. And one of the big challenges is always people complete an assessment. They look at it, read the report, go, wow, that's fantastic. You've got me. How you did that in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. How you did that in 20 Mm -hmm. minutes is amazing. And It disappears. That shouldn't be the end of the process. In fact, actually, getting people to do a questionnaire and produce the report should always be the start of the process, not the end of the process. How do you continue that process on? Well, as I said, first of all, it's define what good looks like. So I've now got something to measure you against. So the recruitment's the obvious one. Different providers call it different things. We call it the job success formula. But it's that mixture of can-do behaviours and will-do behaviours. For example, I don't mind admitting. As a commercial guy, probably no big surprise, I score low on precise as a behavioural trait. So it's not that I don't have the intellectual capacity to do that sort of detail. And as you mentioned, I've got spreadsheets and P&Ls are responsible for. I can read that. I can make sense of the data and all that kind of stuff. But I don't particularly enjoy the behaviours that I need to do it. So I can do it when I need to. Mm. But don't put me in a job where that's a day-to-day behavioural requirement. I'm a people person. I like this kind of stuff. So I can do it, but will I do it every day? Forget So as I said, we call them the job success formulas. Of the 175 traits that we measure, there's usually somewhere between 30 and 45 that are the critical drivers. Because, of course, not all behavioural traits are going to be relevant in every job. Of course not. As I say, somewhere between 30 and 45. And we break them into three categories. Essential traits. This is the one. Our research is shown there is a direct correlation between high scores and performance. Essential traits. Desirable traits. There's not actually a correlation between high scores and performance, but there is a correlation between low scores and poor performance. So it's not as important as essential, but it's, as I say, desirable traits. And then the traits to avoid. In fact, there's a negative correlation between high scores and performance. So actually, what you're looking for with traits to avoid is scores of zero. Okay. So as I said, break those into three categories. We've now got something to measure you against. And our research has shown that if you spend 75% or more of your time doing the behaviours you enjoy the most at work, then you're somewhere between 300 and 400% more likely to be successful. Wow. So, yeah, not suggesting that behaviour is the be all and end all. You still need the skill set to go with it, but nevertheless, it's a good start. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Yeah, that makes sense. And then from a consultant 
or partner, channel partner perspective, how do the people, your existing channel partners, so the companies that partner up yeah. with Harrison Assessments, how do they use Harrison Assessments as part of their consulting work, training work, yeah. et cetera? Yeah. The first step is have to go through a certification process. We don't have too many rules and regulations, but that one is non-negotiable. Why is that? We all heard the expression, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. I've heard it many, many occasions. You know, they failed the psychometric or, forgive me for referencing some other assessments, they're a red and I'm a blue, therefore we're going to clash. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. It's not how any assessment works. So assessments are a tool. And like any other tool, if you don't use it properly, you can't blame the tool if it doesn't work. So partners... Their clients, it's slightly different, but for our partners, our channel partners, you have to go through our certification process. That's a non-negotiable. Yeah, that makes sense. And then they tend to build it into the services that they offer. So it might be they're offering as part of recruitment or part of training. You see it a lot in leadership training. They will build it in as part of their service offering with mine and our support. As you know, I'm a commercial guy, so I like to think I've pretty good experience from a sales perspective, how to have those kind of salesy type conversations. So, you know, you get me as part of the deal. But yeah, most of our partners build it in part of the service that they offer. In some cases, it'll be a managed service, and obviously they'll charge a fee for them managing the service. And they know how much the assessments cost from us. Or in some cases, they'll actually sell our platform to their client and then use it that way. Got it. Okay. And what kind of HR problems would they solve using the Harrison assessments? So, again, the classic one is, again, is recruitment. You know, as I say, understanding what good looks like. What are actually the drivers of performance? Because a lot of businesses aren't actually clear on that. And a lot of things, in my experience, like employee engagement, which I'm really, really passionate about, starts with recruitment. Get people in the right job in the first place. That's a huge driver. A lot easier. (laughs) Absolutely. All the other stuff and the management, motivation, that kind of stuff, and the leadership, that's really important. But you know what? Get the people doing a job that they enjoy because nothing breeds engagements like being good at your job and being successful, being valued and appreciated. So that's only going to work as a safe. So a lot of our partners use it in terms of leadership development. I know speaking personally, this is long before I worked for Harrison, I hasten to add, my first leadership role was the classic. I was the top performing salesperson in the team. The previous sales manager moved on, you know, up I go, walk out of the office on Friday afternoon, a member of the team, walk in Monday morning. I'm now leading and managing the team. And I'm supposed to have this magic weekend where I suddenly learn everything that I need to be a leader. And you've probably seen the stats as well. Something like, you know, most leaders are in the job for something like 15 years before they get their first bit of leadership training. It's just crazy. As you're talking, you kind of reminded me when I first started out my own HR consulting business and like I was doing a bit of everything, a mishmash. But I remember going to one business where I did the classic employee handbook stuff, policies and procedures, get that. So I developed that and then I helped them educate everyone and get it signed off and stuff. And then because I was having sessions with employees to sign off employee handbooks and policies, as a natural byproduct, I learned what was going on. You know, it's just like a feedback session almost. And so that then enabled me to, what you'd say nowadays, upsell or cross-sell. Let's get some communication workshops and or training going. And then really this stems from the leadership group. So we should do some work with your leadership team. So it kind of went from there. I wasn't planned or structured, but that was the natural evolution. And I'm imagining that someone like me in a situation like that could easily leverage in some assessments to 
improve recruitment, which supports the engagement part and or leadership development. Yeah. That's kind of the flow. Is that what you're seeing with others of your channel partners? Yeah, a lot of them, particularly if they're, like you said, like yourself, they're kind of they're new into the consulting world. One of the things, because, you know, I'm a pretty seasoned sales professional, you know, for 20 years, I've either, you name it for HR or L&D product solution, I'll be the sole good person, they will run the sales team. So, you know, there's not too many situations I haven't experienced. So, you know, one of the first conversations I'm always having with partners is what does your ideal customer look like? Because one of the problems with doing people solutions is it's applicable for every business in the world, every organization in the world. That's far too big. You've got to narrow it down. It's going to affect how you go to market and your marketing and your process. And, you know, I've got the questions. I don't have the answers. You as the consultant, you answer the questions, but I'll pose them. So we narrow it down from any business in the world to something that's actually vaguely manageable. And then it's about, okay, how are we going to get in? And sometimes, yeah, you do have to get in by doing maybe not the most interesting, you know, revising the staff handbook. Now, as you know, I'm not an HR professional myself, but I I would imagine it's probably not the most exciting project in the world. But sometimes you need to get in the door, do a little thing, build the relationship, build the trust. I'm sure you've heard people talk about have, you know, discovery calls and finding pain and the issues. Sometimes you have to earn the right to have that more sophisticated conversation by doing something small, build the relationship, build the rapport, build the trust, and that leads to... And so I see that a lot. And certainly those partners who've got big spending clients and global clients, definitely that's how very few of them have gone in and sold the whale. No, you know, a little project, a little project, a little project, a bigger project, and then it's taken off. Very rarely do you catch the whale as the first deal. Absolutely. And if you do, it's because you've built up that track record so you can talk about it and leverage it. For someone, a consultant listening to this and thinks, yeah, I'm interested in partnering. What exactly does that mean? Because some companies, consulting firms may not have partnered in this kind of way. So they might've heard terms like white labeling and referral agreements and stuff. What's the mechanics of a channel partner agreement with you guys? Yeah. So for us, it is that partnership. It's not a referral agreement. We kind of have that as we can do that. But what we like is, and we essentially have three types of partner. So partner type number one goes through the certification process. Forgive me for being direct. Buys from us at the wholesale price for the assessment. Sells it on at the retail price as part of their service. Okay. I will support them, particularly in the early days, with you know, using the tool appropriately and in the right way and how to sell it and that kind of conversation. But typically with those kind of partners, we tend to find over a relatively, after about six to 12 months, they're relatively self-sufficient. Partner type number two will do those things, but also wants to be able to actually sell our platform to their client. It's still their client, but one of the advantages of that is because our platform has got a lot of organizational analytics built into it. Now, partner type number one can't do that. Partner type number two can sell the platform. There's, as I say, lots of organizational analytics. It can do a lot more. Still, as I say, still very much it's their client. And again, and then the revenue that we split the revenue on the assessment. And partner type number three does what one and two does, but also we call it a downstream. So they actually go through a process to be certified by us. They can actually go up and sign up partner type one and two themselves okay we call it the downstream and so therefore again there's a revenue split between us and them and their downstream as well 
And we try, not exclusively, we try to only have one or two of those per country. I was just going to say that's more of a regional or a country based, it is, isn't it? It is a bit more of a country manager type role. But again, you know, it's about what works, what's going to fit in for their business model. One of my key questions when I'm speaking to new partners is, what do you want to spend your time doing? Do you want to spend your time being in with the client and doing delivery and that kind of work? Then that lends itself to partner type one and two. If it's more, you know what, I want to build myself a recurring revenue stream and spend my time running the business role and doing delivery, then that lends itself to partner type number three. Okay. Very good. You mentioned the word support in there. What kind of support mm. would Harrison Assessments give channel partners to help them spread the word and potentially win over new clients or new business? Obviously, one of the key things I like to think is me. You know, as I said, as a pretty seasoned sales professional, I like to think I do have some knowledge and expertise having sold this kind of stuff for the last 20 years. So Definitely. I'm first point of call because we're based out in the Far East. A lot of our functions are based in the Far East. So technical expertise, the sorts of things you would imagine, obviously, I, there's the IT from the IT, make sure our platform is working. And then there's the usage of the assessments. And I'm actually in the process of recruiting myself at the moment for someone in a European time zone. So who's going to come and support as well? So that additional support. We're also very keen on encouraging departments to support each other because they've all got expertise and knowledge that, frankly, I haven't got because I spend most of my time working with partners, not with the end user client. Yeah, excellent. You guys had a conference, is that right? Yeah, it was the first one post-pandemic in Berlin a few weeks ago, which was great because as good as Zoom or Teams or whatever platform you use is cheap and practical and sensible and common sense, but it's not the same as getting in a room for a couple of days with people and just getting to know them and, you know, having those longer conversations and having lunch and dinner and a few drinks perhaps and all that kind of stuff. You know, human beings, we're social animals and we need that kind of interaction. Yeah. Who was the conference for? That was for channel partners? That was absolutely for channel partners for the region. So of about 200, we had about 60 there, which was a decent number. Brilliant. Okay. So if you're a channel partner, then there's support there, there's sales expertise you can lean on. And there's an example there of where Harrison Assessment's got other channel partners together so you can network, share ideas, maybe talk best angles, how to work. Best angles. In some cases, it's a case of that you've got an opportunity, but you need some delivery. That happens quite regularly. Perfect. So this is great. It's an impressive platform and there's great opportunities there, I think, for on-selling or cross-selling or just maybe embedding your consulting or share-related business into a client because yeah. you've got this ongoing support required. Nigel, if someone wants to learn more, potentially become a channel partner, that sort of thing, what should they do next? So I believe you're going to share my contact details. So obviously, feel free, please drop me an email. I'm also a big fan of LinkedIn. I believe I'm the only Nigel Gracie on LinkedIn. And then if there's more than one, there's not many. I'm sure if you're on LinkedIn, if you see Nigel Gracie, and you're sure you'll find me very quickly. So please, yeah, reach out. And yeah, if we can have those kind of conversations, go to some more detail. Very good. So yeah, if you're listening to this on the go, we'll add the links to the website itself, but yet also to Nigel's LinkedIn. And then you can get in touch with Nigel from there. But otherwise, Nigel, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing what you and Harrison Assessments are doing and how the Channel Partner Program works. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ben. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.